Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Wrath is described as great anger that expresses itself in a desire to punish someone. I'm Jaden Becker, and welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast. And the Seven Deadly Sins edition of these podcasts. Week after week, I've been giving you the Seven Deadly Sins of Professional Wrestling. I've gone through gluttony. I've gone through lust. I've gone through greed. And now I am going through wrath. We still have pride, sloth, and envy to come up in the upcoming week. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But this week... Uh, As I mentioned in the first episode, that these can get dark pretty fast, so be prepared, and this is probably going to be the darkest one of these episodes here for the Seven Deadly Sins, because here, talking about Wrath, I'm going to be talking about Chris Benoit and his double murder homicide that was committed back in 2007, so... Be prepared. That's what we're going to be talking about in the first half of, of this podcast. And the second half will be a little bit more lighthearted compared to what uh, the first half curtails. I think anything will be more uh, lighthearted than uh, the Chris Benoit story. But it's something that needs to be talked about. Well, I guess it doesn't really need to be talked about, but something that needs to be brought out when talking about wrath in uh, this context of the seven deadly sins. So let's get right into it. The most saddest, darkest, most horrific moment in pro wrestling history. I think it might be very, very difficult for any moment in pro wrestling history to come up against this moment and be uh, anything more horrific from an outside-the-ring standpoint. On Friday, June 22, 2007, Chris Benoit murdered his wife, Nancy, and his son, Daniel. I won't get into the grim details of the murder due to the horrific nature of the incident, Chris Benoit would then kill himself after the double homicide. Usually I like to speculate what goes on in the mind of the wrestlers or people in these Seven Deadly Sin episodes. Like, again, to the mind of the fans when looking back at matches uh, with uh, sexual assault allegations looming and everything like that. I did that in the last episode. Uh, looking back to gluttony, I talk about what's going on in the mind of Ric Flair and The Undertaker and uh, their need to get back in the ring. I don't feel like it's appropriate here to get into the mind of a murderer. But instead, we can go through his thoughts instead of from a mental standpoint, but also look at it from a physical state instead of looking at it from a mental state. Uh, let's look at his mind and, should I say, his brain after the autopsy report. There has been numerous attempts to try and explain the actions of Chris Benoit, and many have been proposed, but one that really sticks out is CTE, which stands for Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy. CTE is a neurodegenerative disease linked to the repeated blows to the head. Uh, this, This disease often gets worse over time and can result in dementia, It is unclear if the risk of suicide is altered, but uh, there has been plenty of linked cases of people with CTE that also have committed suicide. Most documented cases have occurred in athletes involving in striking-based sports, such as combat sports like boxing, kickboxing, mixed martial arts, Muay Thai, things of that nature, and contact sports such as American football which uh, I don't even consider a contact sport, which you might be looking at me crazy. You don't think football is a contact sport. No, it's not a contact sport. It's a collision sport. 
basketball is a contact sport. You're allowed to bump people and things of that nature. You're allowed to touch and everything like that. That's basketball. Football is a collision sport where instead of being asked to, to bump and shove each other, you're asked to run over that person. You have to run through that person, and that person's going to be running at you. That is football. That That's a little bit different of a, of a contact sport. And uh, you could also look at contact sports, of course, professional wrestling, ice hockey, rugby, things of that nature. Other risk factors include being in the military, prior domestic violence, and repeated banging of the head. I want to add that banging of the head aspect of it because it doesn't take long to investigate Benoit's case when looking at his matches, seeing him fly from the top turnbuckle and landing a flying headbutt uh, on AEW. I'm recording this uh, June 18th, so uh, I'm talking about a recent AEW episode. So depending on when you're listening to this, it could be a little different. But uh, I record this June 18th, and on a recent AEW episode, uh, someone performed a top rope headbutt. And commentary said that if that move was banned, they wouldn't have a problem with it. And and pretty much, uh, didn't they didn't mention Benoit's name, but they mentioned the effects that come from a flying headbutt and the repeated effects of that. Uh, it's not a good look for professional wrestling when it's still being continuously done to this day. Daniel Bryan has done it throughout his career and obviously leading to neck issues and things of that nature. So uh, there's not a good mood to be continuously uh, performing if you're a professional wrestler. Let's also acknowledge the fact of steroid use for Chris Benoit. We've all heard the term roid rage, and this episode is about wrath, and I want to make sure that I, I stay firm with that. WWE made a statement after the Roy Rage claims came out from uh, the government and media and the autopsies reports and everything like that. Uh, all these reports coming out and there was an outlandish claim by the WWE. I'll read out, out loud right now. And this is from the WWE at that time. Quote, the physical findings announced by authorities indicate deliberation, not rage. The wife's feet and hands were bound and she was asphyxiated, not beaten to death. The, by the accounts of the authorities, there were substantial periods of time between the death of the wife and the death of the son. Again, suggested deliberate thought, not rage. The presence of a Bible by each is also not an act of rage. This came from the WWE themselves. Mind-boggling, mind-boggling in a PR nightmare that they could have backed themselves away from Chris Benoit. They sort of leaned into the whole Chris Benoit story, trying to protect themselves and the steroid usage in the WWE as it was brought into question about uh, steroid use in the WWE at the time, as we saw in the past in the steroid era for the Golden Age of Professional Wrestling, Hulk Hogan and everything like that. Uh, you, you, I, I mind-boggled how WWE stepped into it, and you, I did a, a decent amount of research and in looking into the life of Chris Benoit and and uh, the use of steroids and the CTE, and looking back, and even the Dark Side of the Ring documentary, they did a fantastic uh, two-part documentary on Benoit and his life. And not fantastic because of the man, Benoit, but because of the care that was taken by the producers to make sure that the full story was told. They had plenty of interviews from Chavo Guerrero, Vicky Guerrero, Jim Ross, Dean Malenko, Chris Jericho. Plenty of interviews, all diving deep not only into the life of Benoit, but also Eddie Guerrero, who was a good friend of Chris Benoit. I put, obviously, Chris Benoit under wrath here because of the double murder suicide and 
you know, there's sort of no way to, to look around that. And that this, this, his story is told through the lens of wrath and what, what comes through roid rage and what comes through, uh, the lens of CTE and, and things of that nature. And there's no excuse obviously as well, just because someone is drugged or just because someone has a mental issue does not make it okay for someone to commit a double murder suicide in, in any way, shape or form. But let it be known as well that Chris Benoit's impact on the world of professional wrestling still is a huge mark in ring as well because a lot of his moves still being used to this day, the cross face being used by Sasha Banks and Daniel Bryan and plenty of wrestlers in, in, in the world of professional wrestling today, the cross face still being used, flying headbutt still being used by the likes of Daniel Bryan and obviously some similarities there, not from the, the end of Chris Benoit's life, but throughout their pro wrestling career and what they're able to accomplish. It's so difficult to erase Chris Benoit from history, but WWE was able to do it for sure. That there's no question about that. When I got into professional wrestling, that was around 2008, 2009. It, Chris Benoit was sort of like a, a taboo to me, almost to a point where I, I had no idea who he was, but I knew that he existed. I knew that he did something bad, but I didn't know exactly what he did. But I didn't take it until almost this point in my life, maybe a few years back, where I finally went back and watched some of Chris Benoit's matches and realized how amazing he was in ring and what he was able to do uh, from an in-ring perspective, how fantastic he was uh, as a professional wrestler, and the tragic, tragic, tragic end and horrific end to his wife and his family's lives due to him and his actions. It's almost unfathomable, unfathomable. I was in my one of my classes at uh, Ithaca College and uh, we, we talked about uh, some, some nightmares in public relations history and this came up uh, and I talked about it given that I'm the, I guess, the voice of professional wrestling in, in the world of a sports media classroom that doesn't look at pro wrestling in the same light that I would or you, the fan, would. Uh, you know, obviously from the outsider perspective. And you sort of have to give a comparison to make people understand how crazy this was for Chris Benoit to have this this moment in history and you sort of have to give a hypothetical example i would say to the kids in the class imagine steph curry one of the most decorated and prolific basketball players now kill his wife and kids and himself imagine that and people will be oh that that's that's unbelievable that's disgusting and well this this is what happened in the world of professional wrestling almost the same equivalent chris benoit former world champion People consider him one of the greatest in ring at that time and now wiped away from history and because of such a horrific, horrific act. So I told you it can get pretty dark on the, these episodes of the seven deadly sins on the daily DDT podcast. I'm going to lighten things up a little bit after the break. Stick with us right here on the daily DDT podcast. Welcome back to the daily DDT podcast. Things got a little dark on the last segment. But, which is understandable, and I've, and talking about Chris Benoit and his the, the most horrific moment in pro wrestling history, it's it's understandable how things can get so dark so fast. But let's switch gears. Let's switch gears. We can still talk about wrath and not have to talk about death and everything like that. We could talk about how things just kind of get a little haywire in the ring when things uh, kind of get a little messy. Wrath is described, as I mentioned, as great anger that expresses itself in a desire to punish someone. In the world of machismo and bravado in pro wrestling, issues can occur when what's on screen boils over to behind the scenes. 
This has shown in a notorious unsafe worker in Nijax who has a track record of legitimately injuring opponents in the ring, putting talents on the shelf for months at a time. Most recently, Nijax has broken competitors' bones and made opponents unintentionally bleed. That's a big no-no in today's era of, of PG wrestling, as I'm talking about uh, in uh, the November 2018, Nia Jax accidentally punched Becky Lynch's face during the episode of Raw, causing Lynch to suffer a broken nose, a lacerated face, and a concussion. And thus, well, to be honest with you, probably the most important moment in Becky Lynch's career, launching her as, you know, they have that, people have that Stone Cold 316 moment, that awesome 316 moment. This was Becky Lynch's moment, getting punched in the face by Nia Jax. So Lynch can owe her a lot, but that's a moment there that was a little bit unsafe. And also during a match between Jax and Kyrie Sane in May of 2020, a lot of people remember this when Sane suffered a hand injury after being cut after Jax threw her into the ringside steel steps. I believe Kyrie Sane. Uh, I remember that when the reports came out that this episode of Raw was pre-taped and a lot of people were saying that, oh, Sane had control of her bump the whole way. Even though Jax was involved in this match, it wasn't Jax's fault. When it came out on tape, Jax chucked her. Absolutely chucked her right into those steps. There's no way Sane had control there. I don't know what anybody was talking about from that perspective. But Jax definitely threw Sane into those steps tough. Although Jax hasn't been punished by management, legitimate backstage heat, especially around those times back in 2018, back in 2020, maybe not now. We see all the TikToks now of all of them all together, ball happy. Uh, it, we all see it now, but at least back then, there's legitimate backstage heat at, at, that had been building as a constant occurrence of Jax uh, being such an unsafe worker, causing her to travel alone to shows and reportedly looked upon poorly by the locker room. So, Nia Jax, obviously still on television today, still being put in prominent roles today in the women's tag team division that's been struggling for the WWE for such a long time. But what I will say is that there has to be some anger that comes from this from Nia Jax because uh, someone of, of her size, not from a mean perspective, but someone from her size and her stature, she can hurt somebody without knowingly hurting somebody. And when she gets attacked for hurting these people, uh, obviously some anger comes from that. We've seen that come out from Nia Jax on social media, both in a kayfabe sense and a non-kayfabe sense. So... Yes, we can laugh and say, oh, Nia Jax is an unsafe worker, and just because uh, these moments happen to Nia Jax doesn't mean it's always intentional, but, you know, there does come a serious point as well where it's like, hey, you, you know, this is the world of professional wrestling. We're trying to keep everybody safe. When I watch professional wrestling, I hope that everyone's safe when, when they're performing these acts. It's like, there's a great uh, Penn and Teller quote coming from uh, Penn Jillette saying that if you go to a magic show, and uh, you watch uh, David Blaine, for instance, and when uh, he shot the, the bullet into his mouth. And he actually really did shoot a bullet into his mouth. It wasn't gimmicked. It wasn't uh, faked in any way. And Penn and Teller do a similar type of act where they shoot a bullet. I don't believe, I don't know exactly where they shoot the bullet, but uh, they shoot a bullet. And what Penn and Teller says is that there's absolutely no risk involved in the bullet shooting because it's all gimmick it's all fake it's all stage there should be no nerve factor for the audience that 
they're going to have the emotional guilt of walking out seeing someone getting legitimately hurt. When David Blaine performed his, his acts, there's a legitimate risk of him being killed. So when I watch professional wrestling, I sort of look at it from the similar lens, not from someone being killed, even though there's a definite chance of that happening through to crazy accidents and whatnot. But when I watch professional wrestling, I put my trust in the wrestlers knowing that what they're doing is as safe as they can possibly do it. And I have no future guilt or remorse when I go on watching it knowing that I could be watching someone getting legitimately hurt. When I watch Nia Jax, I sort of cringe and want to look away because I know there's always a chance that someone can get hurt, or at least a higher chance in the world of professional wrestling because people can get hurt all the time in professional wrestling. There's a higher chance that Nia Jax is in the ring that someone can get hurt. And I don't want to have that emotional guilt and anguish that comes along with that. So... That's been Wrath, and that's the that's this episode for Wrath. I, I, I know the first half was a little rough. I know the first half was a little rough to get through, especially talking about Benoit and everything like that. Once again, I highly, highly recommend if you haven't watched it, take a chance, go on Vice, check out The Dark Side of the Ring, two-part documentary on Benoit, and any of those are absolutely fantastic. Also, those documentaries are another inspiration for these Seven Deadly Sins episodes that have been given to you for the past few weeks. Still got a few more left, a few more episodes to go. We have Pride, we have uh, Sloth, and we have Envy all coming up for the Seven Deadly Sins. Also, I, I believe I, I sprinkled some along uh, different episodes along the way uh, that, that are a little different from this uh, for you as well to uh, supplement you as I'm away. We'll be back in the beginning of August once again. Don't miss me too much. Don't miss me too much. And if you do, hit me up on, on Instagram and Twitter, Jaden Becker TV. That's all for me. You can catch this podcast and all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And once again, if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV. I'll see you next week with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.